Hello everyone, I'm Anne. Everyone thinks that I'm white and straight, but I'm not. And I'm Bella. I'm a Chinese woman with no concept of my own culture. And we, we need a man like, like a fish needs a bicycle. TheGirlGangNetwork.com presents Miss Anne Dry and Bella Donna in Fish Without a Bicycle. Section one of today's podcast is called Break It Down. Today, Anne is going to break down and explain the patriarchy so that even you understand it. All right, to start off, I want us to list all the qualities and traits that are considered feminine and masculine. So, ladies first, feminine. Bella, what things are feminine? Pink things, mm -hmm. pretty things, flowers, some things. Ooh, delicate, delicate things. Delicate things, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, more word association. We've got weakness, inferiority, gentle meekness, being quiet, being youthful. Uh, women get called girls a lot instead of women as though we're underage or something. Um, and a lot of our swear words are female negative things. Absolutely. We've got pussy, bitch, whore, cunt, slut. These are all feminine words used to insult people. Even just calling a boy or a man a girl is considered insulting. Like womanhood or femininity is intrinsically insulting, bad or dirty. Yes. Or even uh, being over-emotional. In fact, being emotional at all seems to have people just overlook the content of what you're saying. So as feminine people, we're also considered to be mistrustful. Rape is a statistically underreported crime because we as a society are constantly told that if it's us against a man's word, probably going to go with the man. Absolutely. Uh, because all these weak and girly things and in turn feminine people aren't societally considered to be good things. So basically, girly things are bad. Yeah. Yes. Girly things are bad, but like in the eyes of society. So as a society, we do not value weakness. Weakness is a girl thing. We value strength, uh, which is a masculine thing. So, Bella, what are what are masculine things? Mm, strength. Being strong is masculine. Being powerful is powerful. masculine. Yeah. Uh, being superior, being being trustworthy, especially if you're white. <laughs> Superman. Yes, like Superman. Um, having a lack of emotional depth and a huge sex drive are also considered manly things to be. Any control or dominance are masculine qualities. All the things our society values are masculine things. So you're saying society is saying masculinity, good. Femininity, bad. Yes. Society loves masculinity and society actually hates femininity. Um, but it's not always in a super obvious way. Uh, like when a cisgendered man interrupts a woman who is speaking or when a woman hates another woman for being prettier when, than she is. Or when a man rates a woman out of ten. Yeah, or and when men are mocked for being feminine at all. Um, but sometimes this distaste for femininity comes out in big ways. Uh, like, like how women get raped a lot. Uh, and women get paid less. And women get less recognition for their actions. Uh, women get less jail time for the same crime as a man. Uh, but it also works in the other direction. Women get less recognition uh, for the same or better achievements than those of a man. So on the whole, feminine people are considered less effective, less important, and are not intrinsically valued by society. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it sucks. 
these gender roles and societal values exist because we live in what is called a patriarchal society. It means that feminine things are bad while masculine things are good and this is why some people are better off than others. So you're saying that men are better off than women? Yeah, being male gives you an advantage in our society. Because our society, being a patriarchy, values masculinity. Yes, and men are not the only demographic that society values the most. The patriarchy also values being white, being able-bodied, being conventionally attractive, being wealthy, being monogamous, being straight, being cisgendered. For those who don't know, by the way, being cisgendered means identifying as the gender you were assigned at birth. Yeah, so I was assigned the gender of female at birth, and I have always identified as female. So I am a cisgendered female, and that is one trait about me that gives me privilege over people who are transgender, non-binary, or otherwise gender-identifying in this society. Um, I believe you're talking about how the patriarchy values whiteness. Oh, yeah. So being white, being able-bodied, or being straight are other things you can be that will mean you have an advantage in our society. Um, This is called being privileged. When you are privileged, it means that if you want something in life, in this society, you work for it. Maybe you work really hard for it, but when you work for it, you generally succeed in your endeavor. Yay! Go you, you white, able-bodied, wealthy, cis male, or one of some of all of those things. Yes, yay. (laughs) Being privileged is awesome. Uh, For example, I'm super grateful for my able-bodied privilege. The patriarchy does not take kindly to people with disabled bodies. Uh, For example, if I wish to frequent a venue, it's no problem for me. I don't have to allow extra transport time. I don't need to check if they have ramps or appropriate, like, size door frames and things like that because of my able-bodied privilege. But you don't have all types of privilege. For example, you don't have male privilege. Yeah, so you can have some types of privilege but not others, uh, which means you might suffer from racism but not sexism, or you might suffer from ableism but you might be wealthy. Like, everyone has it different. So some things give you privilege and other things hinder you. Yeah, so if you are possessing of masculine traits... Those are all a part of the privileged demographics. Uh, We see an able body as strong and good, and we see disability as weakness, so therefore it's feminine. Uh, We see white people as superior, so people of colour are considered lesser in some way, and being lesser is a feminine thing to be. If you're privileged, you're more likely to be respected, hired, you're paid more, you're treated nicely, you're trusted, People will vote for you in elections. Yeah, let's look at some of our most recent inexplicable world leaders, like (laughs) Tony Abbott, David Cameron, or future harbinger of the apocalypse, Donald Trump. Yes. Blech. You're more likely to be followed by people, easily befriended and listened to when you're privileged. This is all because of our patriarchal values of masculinity and femininity. So as a society, as a whole, we are misogynistic. Misogyny being the hatred of women. Yes, but not just the hatred of women, but the hatred of femininity, which are all the qualities that we listed earlier. So those are all feminine things. And our misogyny can manifest in subtle ways. Like how we judge women for what they wear. Yeah, or how like lots of men will passionately reject wearing pink clothing. But the thing to remember is every single person is a bit misogynistic. And people can be misogynistic in, at the very least in small ways. Like even I can, even you can. Um, but for some, misogyny can manifest in really, really big ways. Like sexual assault. Yes. 
And overall, feminine people are less likely to be respected, more likely to be disrespected, and then they're less likely to be voted for, followed as a leader, trusted, employed, paid fairly, and not to mention they're more likely to be objectified. So, wrapping it up. So, that is the patriarchy. Um, and feminism is the only body of thought that is out there that fights these notions, fighting against these gender roles, against misogyny, and fighting for equality. Let me channel my inner actress here. Look, I really do believe that women should absolutely have equal rights, but I don't know. I like men too. I think that men are great. Uh, so I don't know whether I want to call it feminism. I think I want to call it equalism. That makes no sense. <laughs> that makes It makes no sense to call it equalism. Like, we're fighting against worldwide misogyny and... Misogyny is the ultimate anti-feminine attitude which causes inequality. So decriminalizing and reapproaching the validity of femininity is not founded in something called equalism. It is founded in a word that is the opposite of misogyny, and I believe that word to be feminism. Okay, so basically, it sucks. Yeah, basically, everything sucks. The patriarchy sucks. And if you think that the patriarchy sucks too, then... You're a feminist. And now, Trigger Warning LLC would like to present a reminder from the patriarchy. Hello, girls. This is a reminder from the patriarchy. It's so cute that you have opinions. It's absolutely adorable. But stop. You're hurting the masculinity of your keepers, the men. This has been a reminder from the patriarchy. And now, the news presented by Bella Donna. So, Bella, what's up? So, last week, did you hear about the triggering? Hashtag. Hashtag the triggering? Hashtag the triggering. Yes. Yes. Um, so, for those who didn't hear about it... Um, I mean, I mean, no, of course not. No, I didn't hear I about, didn't about it. it. Tell me oh. more. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you internet, non-internet dwelling rock mm, person. Fill me in. Um, okay. So, basically what the triggering was is um, it happened last week for two days. Um, a whole bunch of people on the internet were all like, we're going to post terrible things to Twitter. Oh, you and call them people on the internet. I would like to call them assholes. Okay. A whole bunch of... Yeah. We can call them assholes. A whole bunch of assholes on the internet uh, decided to post a whole bunch of stuff to Twitter, mm. um, offensive things, uh, with the hashtag the triggering. The reason that they were doing this ostensibly was to fight PC culture, because PC culture is a scourge in our society. <laughs> oh my god, how dare people be polite oh to each other god. and take other people's thoughts, thoughts and feelings into your... consideration i know oh no you're infringing <laughs> on my freedom of speech by asking oh, me not God. to be offensive that's right i deserve to be an asshole mm. what is kind of fascinating to me about people mm -hmm. who um say that pc culture or pc culture is a bad thing is that very often their reactions let's say i say something offensive to you okay and you say i find that very offensive their typical a typical reaction from somebody who sort of a human thing to do would be, oh my god, I didn't realize that was offensive. I'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. Yep. Whereas a lot of these people who fight against what they call PC culture would say, you're too sensitive. Assholes. Exactly. It's interesting to me that um what they consider is like it's not it's not their fault for being offensive. 
yep. in in many cases being deliber- deliberately provocative. It's your fault for being offended by what they say. Which is absolutely ridiculous because they're mm. asking me, the offended person, to take responsibility for what they just did. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, and then it leads to what I call celebrity apologies, where mm. a celebrity does something offensive and then when they apologize, it's, I'm so sorry that people found what I did offensive, not I'm so sorry I offended people. It's removing yourself from the offense. It's saying, Mm. well, I said what I did and I had the right to say it. It's your problem because you were offended by it. Despite the fact that if if I'm saying something or I'm saying something because I think it's a joke, I know that it's going to be deliberate. I'm being deliberately offensive Mm. and... I should not be offended when people are offended by what I say. Yeah, it's kind of ironic to be offended by people being offended anyway. Like, if being offended offended you so much, stop being so offended by offended people. Or don't just don't be offensive. Um, I guess one of the biggest, like, recent celebrity examples of this for me is, Mm -hmm. um, you've heard of Jerry Seinfeld, of course. Yes, I have. So very within the last year or so, Jerry Seinfeld appeared on a late night, sh- late night show, uh-huh. um, Seth Meyers show, um, and said, I don't play college campuses anymore because their PC culture in colleges is really creepy. And they don't, he basically, they apparently they don't get his jokes anymore. And I'm just like, Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> maybe you're not funny. Um, yeah, have you considered that maybe you're not as good as you thought you were? I signed that was 15 years ago. Aside from look like Ben Stiller, what have you done in that time? Apart from be offensive and be upset about the fact that people are offended. Mm. Um, there's also a context thing that happens um, yep. with PC culture. Like, for example, um, as you know, I am Asian and I have an Asian mother. If I have made many jokes with my friends about my mother's uh, dragon tiger mum realness. So if someone were to say something mm-hmm. to me, I would laugh. If one of my friends were to say something to me, I would probably laugh it off. Um, whereas if a stranger on the street came up to me and made assumptions about me or my culture based on my appearance, I would be offended. So don't come up to me with your, oh, but my my Asian friend said it was okay. So as far as I'm concerned, I can say it to every Asian ever. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Because just because they have that one Asian friend who thinks it's okay, doesn't mean that everyone's going to find it okay. And doesn't mean that that one person speaks for the entire culture. Like, that one Asian person isn't offended by that particular thing, that friend, you know, in that moment. It doesn't speak for the whole culture, and it doesn't mean... Then maybe it doesn't actually apply to them. Like, maybe even though being Asian, they might not actually feel oppressed in white society or wherever they are. Or even in that particular way. Yeah. So anyway, the triggering happened last week, um, and they were trying to be provocative and maybe try to shock some people. For the most part, people anyone on Twitter or the internet was just like, you guys pull this shit every single day of the week. Like, you guys are always offensive. Why is today different? So, in conclusion, don't be terrible. And if you're being offensive on purpose, don't be offended when people call you on your shit. And now, for Miss Andrei's very own segment, The Patriarchy Survival Guide. And short and sweet list of tips and tricks for inspiring your own feminist revolution. Hi, guys. If you want to fight the patriarchy today, just feel good about your body. Feel good about your body image. Accept your body for what it is and what it looks like and be okay with that. We're constantly being told that we're too fat, too thin, too weak, too big, too small, too dark, too pale, too hairy, too flat, too whatever. So if you want to fight that, 
don't do it by trying to look down on people who have what you don't have. Either raise them up or shut the fuck up. Just look at yourself, treat your body kindly, and be satisfied. You can do it. And now for pop culture with Belladonna speaking on why Padme deserved more than she got. Bella? And you know me pretty well. Mm. Do you know who my childhood hero was? Yes. Pikachu. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but in this particular instance, I was actually thinking about Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. So ever since I saw Star Wars, when I was about five years old, I wanted to be her. I wanted her strength. I wanted her determination. I wanted her hair. I still want her <laughs> hair. So when we would have been about nine when The Phantom Menace came out. Yeah, about nine. Yeah, when The Phantom Menace came out and they started releasing the promotional material and the toys, I zeroed in like Padme, like a heat-seeking missile. Yeah, for sure. My mother actually bought me the novelization of the book before it came out, and they actually released it with different characters on the covers, and I got the variant that had Obi-Wan Kenobi on it. Oh, no. I was so disappointed. Uh. I wanted Queen Amidala. Mm. And I was so excited about the movie um, because of Queen Amidala. And you know what? She actually really doesn't disappoint in the movie. Many things in that movie are disappointing. <laughs> like the whole movie. <clears throat> Let's think about Padme's character in the first movie. Okay. So she's 14. Mm-hmm. And she's she, a queen. She's a que- She's an elected queen. So her people chose her to be her queen. Which is not how it works. <laughs> yeah, they don't understand how... Elect- yeah, okay, so the Nabooians don't understand how royalty works, but she is an elected queen. Mm-hmm. Um, she, Her goal throughout the movie is to save her people. Yes. And she achieves that goal. Um, she's willing to be smart about her goal. She's willing to be cunning about her goal. She's willing to fight for her goal. That's true. That is true. That's she, fantastic. Yeah, she, she, you're right. She's great. And the Phantom Menace, I guess, she's like the one thing that's not absolutely terrible. She does a lot in that movie, and she's a good character in that movie. Yeah, she is. And her costumes are amazing. Mm-hmm. So then we come to the fan, the Attack of the Clones, and presumably Padme would be the same character. She would still be as determined, as ambitious, as strong as she would be in and the Phantom relevant. Menace. And as relevant. And as relevant. But... What is her goal in that movie? Um, well, she's a senator. And... Does she do any senatory things? Senatorial oh. things, even. I, don't, I think... I don't think so. Yeah, so the... Yeah, no. Except to, like, not get killed. Yeah, so the plot of the movie is meant to be driven by the fact that she is supposed to be instrumental in a vote that's happening, but we never see that vote happen, and it seems to happen without her. Because she's off frolicking in a meadow with Anakin. But yes. what does, so what does she do in the movie, really, aside from not get assassinated? Uh... She rolls around in a field with Anakin. She says no to Anakin a lot and gets ignored a lot. Uh, she tells him that it is okay that he commits genocide. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> there is a point where... Have you heard of a strong female character? Yes. Wait, I'm no. doing... What am I meant to... No, I meant to say, no, Belladonna, tell me more. Or even just, yes, why are you doing... <laughs> why are you doing quotation why, marks? Yes, why are you doing quote fingers? Yeah. Have you heard of a strong female character, Anne? Um, 
um, the court fingers are freaking me out. Okay. <laughs> so what I call a strong female character is when a filmmaker has a character and it's a female or a female character, as it were, and says, well, they have to be strong. And instead of giving them weaknesses or plot or goals, I'm going to have them argue with uh, my main male character and uh-huh. fight. Yep. And that is what Padme is in that movie. She is essentially reduced. When she becomes a sexual being, being no longer a child... Coming of age. A coming of age, as it were, she no longer has her own character or her own plot. She is reliant on the being the love interest of a man. An undeserving man. An undeserving man. Um, finally, we come to Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. which is ostensibly the best movie of the prequel trilogy. There are no best movies in that trilogy. Okay, it's look, you know that terrible. I and you know that I actually do enjoy the prequel trilogy. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. I will. I won't fight you if you tell me they're terrible. They're terrible. I'm not going to fight you, but I enjoyed them. Yeah. I mean, I guess I do watch them every time I marathon, but. Don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> anyway, so we come to Revenge of the Sith, and mm-hmm. the movies that you watched, what does Padme do in that movie? Dies. And gets pregnant. <laughs> yeah, so she, in that movie, Padme gets pregnant and dies. Mm-hmm. So I have the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, um, and I really do enjoy this novelization because there's like an entire paragraph that describes Obi-Wan staring at Anakin's ass. I love that. And that is amazing. <laughs> That's so homoerotic. It's beautiful. We need that in the movies. Like. <laughs> Just more ass staring. So anyway. Wait, why is he staring at Anakin's ass? Um, so it's the bit where he is... Um, it's a really great paragraph. So it's the bit where Obi-Wan has been unconscious and he wakes up and he's over Anakin's shoulder. Uh. And the paragraph is, paragraph is just like, Obi-Wan wakes up staring at Anakin's ass. He thinks it's Anakin's ass. To be quite honest, he's never really had the occasion to study Anakin's ass from this proximity and from this angle. From, oh, oh, oh. Whoa. <laughs> Other angles, sure, but not this, this one. Particular, not this particular <laughs> angle. Uh, anyway, in the novelization, right, yep. Padme actually has a plot line where she, uh, Mon Mothma, who is the future leader of the Rebel Alliance, and Bell Organa, Princess Leia's future adopted father, mm-hmm start an underground resistance or like a senatorial movement against Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Kind of important. Very important, one might say, especially since that resistance sort of sets up the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, and mm. it's not in the films. Not at all. Because apparently Padme's character and plotline is less important than Anakin's man angst. <laughs> anyway, so um, wrapping up, Bella. And that's... It's just disappointing to me that we start off with a character who has a plot, who has a character who has goals and dreams and ambitions of her own, and is ultimately reduced to nothing more than the dead fridge girlfriend. Oh, God. (laughs) Yep. Of Anakin Skywalker. Yes. And that is why Padme Amidala deserved more. And now for our Girl Gang Advice column. 
Hi, Anne. I'm a happily married woman to a man who is not a feminist. It's upsetting to me because we just can't see eye to eye on gender inequality and social issues. He just doesn't think there's a problem. I love him, though. What can I do? That is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't take that seriously. Um, okay. Um, well, kind reader, listener, um, we are... We are all problematic people who engage in problematic behaviour. Sexism is not reserved for only the super evil villains of our time. It's actually very normal and very common for good people that we love to be patriarchal assholes sometimes. Uh, So I think you've got a few options. Number one, you can educate him if you want. Educating someone is hard work. It's exhausting, time-consuming, and can be incredibly frustrating. Um, I like to educate people at an arm's length, so I'll send articles, podcasts, YouTube videos, books. Uh, I like to direct people to other resources. Um, I might write my bit and send it in a message if I really like them. Um, or I make a really, really big podcast called Fish Without a Bicycle where I explain everything in one hit and everyone just has to listen so I don't have to repeat myself. Um, but whatever, like choose how you communicate more effectively and comfortably and go from there. Um, Be prepared to be patient and try and focus on one issue or one topic at a time. Number two, you could just drop it. Uh, This option sucks because having someone in your life who engages in daily oppressive behavior and upholds unchecked patriarchal values can be exhausting and frustrating, but his education is his responsibility and nobody else's. He is not entitled to your energy on this. Uh, No one is. It is okay to not want to engage with him on these issues if it's not right for you at the moment. So if you want to just drop it, that's okay. Uh, I would like to suggest an option three, which is the rom-com option, which is (laughs) you fight fire with fire. If he doesn't believe that there is a social inequality issue, then you do exactly as much around the house as he does. (laughs) I, I really like that. Yes, so if you... If you've been, if you if you cook dinner, don't cook dinner. Um, if you clean up the dishes, don't clean up the dishes. If you do the laundry, just don't. Do you work a full time job? Uh, presumably, so does he. If he doesn't come home and work, then why do you have to? Just don't. See how he likes that. I, I really like the bit about the fire, because my next option, uh, just grab any pets that you may have. And then light the house on fire. Above all, your well-being is your responsibility and your priority. So do whatever is putting your self-care first. But I highly recommend lighting him on fire. The house on fire. Please don't set anyone on fire. You're joking, right? You don't want her to set him on fire. Um, this has been the Girl Gang Advice Column. Thank you. And now for... Why everything is slightly less terrible than you may have thought with the ever-optimistic Bella Donna. Now, Bella, I for one think everything is terrible and we're all doomed. What insights do you have for us today? Okay, and have you ever heard of Nichelle Nichols? No. Okay, well, you should have because (laughs) how many women can you think of who has inspired the careers of two astronauts? Um, None. Mm -hmm. Well, one now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now you know one. So, <laughs> Nichelle Nichols played uh, Lieutenant Uhura in the original Star Trek series. Ah, uh, yes, Star Trek. So, uh, Nichelle, so she named her character. So mm-hmm. she was a black woman on television yep. um, in the 60s. She was also a part of the first interracial kiss on network television. Which controversy? Um, it, it, that was between Captain Kirk and Lieutenant Uhura. We, I remember reading an anecdote that said that um, William Shatner, because the network didn't want to use it, because oh my god, inter interracial kissing. This will lead to the apocalypse. <laughs> so um, William Shatner actually deliberately crossed his eyes in every single take um, that was not the two of them kissing to make sure that they had to use the kissing take. That's beautiful. So, with Nichelle, and she also named her character, actually. Um, she so named the character herself. Uh, or she helped or she helped Dean Roddenberry decide on the name, because Uhura is based on the Swahili word for freedom. After Star Trek, Nichelle Nichols went on to do some work for NASA, and as a part of that, she actually recruited the first female astronaut, Sally K. Wright. Right. And very recently, the first uh, African-American female astronaut, Mae Jameson, uh, said that she was inspired by Lieutenant Uhura to become the first female African-American astronaut. That's fantastic. It's so beautiful to see how our media culture really does affect our lives. Hmm. And to quote Whoopi Goldberg, incidentally also about Lieutenant Uhura, there's a black woman on television and she ain't nobody's maid. Wonderful. That fills my cold black man-hating heart with a tiny little bit of hope. You're fantastic, Bella. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the pilot episode of Fish Without a Bicycle. If you think you're not racist, you're wrong. This has been Miss Andri. And learning to accept your white privilege is your first step to being not terrible. This has been Bella Donna. I was swimming in the sea, happy as can be. When a man walked over to me, he said, Hey baby, why don't you give me a smile? So I said, go fuck yourself. Cause I'm a fish without a bicycle. I'm a fish without a bicycle. I'm a fish without a bicycle. And you can be a fish without a bicycle too. The voice of Anne is by Kat Cameron and the voice of Bella is by Cheryl Way. Music and editing by Regan Van Veen. Hello. And editing also by Kat Cameron. Check out our website on thegirlgangnetwork.com. Did you like the show? Want some advice in our advice column? Or just have something to say? Let us know on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thegirlgangnetwork. Leave us a comment. Unless you're a misogynist, in which case, don't. <laughs>